0: You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast.
1: You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm your host, Elise Schaefer, and today I'm joined by Rachel Moser. Rachel Moser is a core maintainer of the Odin Project, which is where she learned and came to love Ruby on Rails. She is a software engineer at Storable, which is an industry leader in the self-storage technology space. In her free time, she enjoys playing board games with her husband and three children or exploring art in various mediums. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, I'm excited to be here. This is the first time I've really heard of the Odin Project. Can you tell me what is the Odin Project? Sure. The Odin Project is an open source
2: web development curriculum that is completely free and self-paced. In addition to our curriculum, we also have a very active Discord community where anyone that's like going through our curriculum can ask questions there as they go through our content. And I kind of think the curriculum is a secret ingredient to my success, which is why I wanted to mention it. It's not just the curriculum, but our community that I find that is useful.
1: Nice. That's awesome. And what kind of content does the ODIN project offer?
2: Okay. So our curriculum it starts with the foundation we call it the foundations path and that covers like the basics like how to set up your own dev environment and the basics of like git html css and javascript and one thing that's kind of important to note here like i mentioned we ask people to set up their own dev environment because one part of our philosophy is we try to teach programming as close to a dev's like real life experience is going to you know as possible and so you'll also see this philosophy throughout our curriculum and that we teach through building projects you know that's where your knowledge grows and so we have projects spread throughout the curriculum and it's kind of important to note that these projects they're not like tutorial walkthroughs they're basically like a list of requirements more like a ticket would be out at work I mean, it's a big list of requirements, not just a little ticket, but more closer to that. And in addition, we also will have these requirements that maybe something wasn't explicitly taught in the lesson to kind of encourage the devs to kind of go do research on their own, because that's what you're gonna experience at work. You're not gonna know how to do everything on your ticket. So you have to know how to research. And we also use documentation a lot throughout our curriculum so that people have to get comfortable learning and reading documentation, which is, again, something you do like in the real world. So it's not just about our content, but how we teach it. So kind of with all that in mind and coming back to our actual content, we also have after the foundation's path, you can either choose Ruby on Rails or Node. And both of those options also include more advanced Git, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, React, and computer science, I want to say. And so then we'll just have projects like in all of those, like one of my favorite projects in Ruby is building chess. One of my favorite in JavaScript is building Battleship. You know, in like React, we do like a shopping cart. And then in the backend node or Rails, you do like a social media clone. I mean, you have other little projects, but those are kind of like the bigger ones that people are spend a little bit more I'm on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sounds really great that you're focusing on what is it really like to have this job. I feel like I went through kind of computer science degree at university and and really, I feel like a lot of what I do in my day to day is like not analogous to what I did in coursework. It's kind of cool that you're structuring this as here's how a project would work in the real world. I think that's very interesting and very cool. Right. Yeah.
2: That's one thing I appreciate about the curriculum. It teaches you to help take a problem and break it down into
1: smaller sub-problems, which mm-hmm. I think is very applicable to me. That's kind of like the bulk of what we do as software developers, I think, is like, how do we take this big thing and figure out how to tackle it one chunk at a time in a way that we get everything? And like, that's a whole skill set that I think we should be doing more deliberate work to build in ourselves and people who are learning how to code. So I appreciate that. So... What is your role at the Odin Project and how did you come to be involved with the Odin Project?
2: My role, I'll start with that. So Mm -hmm. currently I'm a core maintainer, which is actually like a combination of two roles. So first and foremost, I am one of 18 maintainers that like together we like manage issues, pull requests from like outside contributors, but we also like plan projects to improve the curriculum, such as recently the maintainer team, which I wasn't part of this subset of team that did this, but we had a team of people that just improved our React curriculum. So that was really exciting to see because it was, Mm -hmm. it gets outdated, right? As years go on. So we like always keep an eye on what needs to be improved or revamped. But in addition, I'm also one of seven maintainers that's part of the core team. So that's why I'm a core maintainer. It's kind of like a combination. But this team kind of helps with the direction of the curriculum, our Discord community as well, and kind of just like the efforts of our entire volunteer team, which also includes our amazing team of moderators that we have in our Discord community. So for example, one thing that this core team did recently was we coordinated efforts to be self-funded through donations of people in our curriculum. Previously, we were sponsored by a boot camp, That our founder by the guy by the name of Eric Troutman set up, that over time our expenses kept increasing. And we just didn't like asking for more money. And as we've grown as a community, we're like, hey, I think we can support ourselves. So that was something real exciting to be part of that the core team was able to do. And I was excited to see that come. Oh, I think your other question was, how did I become a maintainer?
1: Yeah. Yeah. How did you become involved with the Odin project? You said you participated.
2: Yes, that is how I initially found the Odin Project. I was always trying to find the next best thing to learn. You know, I was hopping. I kind of consider myself, I was kind of stuck in tutorial hell, trying to figure out the next best thing to learn, but never really knowing how to implement what I was learning. So one of the times when I was doing my research, like, all right, what's the next thing for me to do? I learned about the Odin Project. So I was like, hot dog, because then I don't have to figure out what to do next. It's going to just progress and help me go to step. So as I was going through the Odin project, I decided to do the Ruby on Rails path because it's the best. And as I got to the end of the Ruby section, they start teaching about testing and I was completely lost. And like I said, they do have some gaps so that you have to do your own research. But a lot of the things out there were RSpec for Ruby on Rails, but not just like here's unit tests in Ruby. And so really the only way I could learn was asking questions in discord. And basically I walked through the documentation of, I think it was on Relish at the time. And like I would write tests or I'd write code and a test to figure out how to use a matcher. And I was finally stumbling my way through it. And then I noticed in our discourse community that people were asking the same questions and struggling the same thing I was. And I was like, Hey, I just spent like, I don't know, the last month, like struggling through this. What if I took all these exercises I wrote and just like, put it in the curriculum for people to like practice on? And so I called it the Spec Playground because it was kind of just a hands-on get in there and get dirty. And so I had a few people that I had like, befriended in the Discord community go through it to clean off the, the edges, make sure it was like made sense to somebody else because it was just my own personal note. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up adding it to the curriculum and the maintainers were like, Wow. I mean, like was super impressed with just the initiative I took on that. And so they asked if I would join the maintainer team. So I just want to do a quick shout out to Briggs, Kevin and Austin, just for the encouragement that they gave me through that process, because it was a big thing for me to take off. So that was just kind of like the process of how I became a maintainer. But that's definitely not the process that every maintainer goes through. Sometimes it's just being active in our Discord community, adding when you see a need. Like something that's confusing, maybe in the curriculum, adding some clarifications or something to a lesson. So it's not like anybody has to have like this big idea, (laughs) you know, to kind of contribute. So I was kind of the exception, I think.
0: As an engineering manager or an engineer, too much of your time gets sucked up with downtime issues, troubleshooting, and error tracking. How can you spend more time shipping code and less time putting out fires? This is a question I'm always asking myself. Well, Honey Badger is how. It's a suite of monitoring tools made specifically for developers. It's the only system that combines error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and cron and heartbeat monitoring into one clean, fast interface. Sure, you can get familiar with any interface, but why waste your time learning some Frankenstein interface that looks like an airline cockpit when what you need is clarity and speed? You won't know if Honey Badger will really save you time and trouble until you can see how it works in your own tool chain with two lines of code and five minutes you can see for yourself. Honey Badger automatically hooks into popular web frameworks like Ruby on Rails, job systems, authentication libraries, and front-end JavaScript. Imagine fixing errors before your users can even report them. Five minutes of your time with a free trial is all it takes to see if it will work for you. It just might be the best five minutes you've spent in a long while. Check out honeybadger.io.
1: So you had mentioned that there's like it is an open source educational curriculum, which is kind of interesting because a lot of educational curriculums are like not open source. It's like a boot camp or it's like an online set of courses that you pay for. And I'm just kind of curious, what is that like to have a community of people who's contributing to it? What are the contributions? Like, are they contributing directly to course material? Are they contributing to documentation?
2: It's actually a whole gamut. So we keep our curriculum in Markdown files in one repo. And we keep like our web app in another repo. So people actually don't even need to know Ruby on Rails, which is what our backend is, to be able to contribute to just like course material. But then we also have, like I said, with our Discord community, we also have some Discord bots that we use. And we do those more in JavaScript so that there's JavaScript people can do this. <laughs> Ruby people can do that. And so it's really just assortment of different ways people can contribute. We also do a lot of like hands-on exercises. So we'll have just like a certain repo that you'll do as you go through JavaScript that's kind of like a test driven focus. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's just contributing to that, maybe adding a new test to that to make sure people aren't, you know, we didn't miss fun edge case that people can kind of cheat or Mm -hmm. whatever, maybe not cheat, but you know what I mean. Make sure that they do something a certain way. So it's just a whole gamut of different ways that people can contribute.
1: Yeah. It sounds like you're really building, like, it's not just the courses. It's like you're building kind of an entire community and all of the things that you need in order to support that community. It sounds like there's a lot of kind of moving pieces to it.
2: There definitely is a lot of moving pieces. And this project started in, I want to say, 2011 or 2012. So, like, it's been 10, 11, 12 years. So it's matured a lot over the years undergone a lot of changes. And I mean, there's people that's on our core team that's been around for, I wouldn't say all of that, a good bit of that. So when you have volunteers that have been around for six, seven years, that's really exciting to see. Yeah.
1: And was this your first introduction to open source contributions? It was,
2: most certainly. And honestly, somewhat ashamed to say it's the only ones I've done, but mostly because I have more ideas of things I want to do than I have time for. And so Mm -hmm. it's really hard for me to like, oh, I want to go do something else because if I do work, I'll do Odin. I spend time with my kids and that's like kind of like the (laughs) end of my day. So it's like, okay, I can't conquer the world. So I try to focus on just Odin, but I have always had the itch to help out with other things.
1: Yeah. I think sort of the reason that I asked that question is that it can kind of be intimidating, I think, for folks who want to contribute to an open source project whether that's an education project or whether that's like a gem that you're using or a node package that you're using i'm just kind of curious your thoughts are about if someone is really looking to get involved what are some ways that they might be able to get plugged into a community and, and start making contributions
2: i can really only speak for the odin project as far as kind of contributing to that i mean we've had people professionals in the industry come in and start getting involved in our Discord community. And it's really hard to just be like, hey, you can pick any lesson and just add to it or whatever. Because it's also important to keep the bigger picture because you may be focused on this certain lesson and you're like, oh, they need to know this concept. Well, we may have introduced that concept like two lessons later. So in order to like to contribute, you just can't like have a narrow focus. You have to look at the bigger picture and understand why, you know, maybe we didn't teach something yet. We're just kind of building them up trying to get the foundational stuff first. To me, my very first contributions to help with the Odin project were just small things. I would be helping somebody in Discord. They were having an issue. And so I'd be looking at the project they were working on that, of course, I've already completed. I couldn't help somebody on something that I hadn't done yet, but I'd be willing to help people on projects I'd already done. And I'd be like, oh, that is kind of confusing. Why did I understand it this way? So then I would just kind of help clarify that in the lesson. And I feel like that's the majority of contributions we see are things like that. This was a little unclear to me, so I want to try and help the next person. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, we have typos. And there's one thing I haven't mentioned yet about our curriculum is we don't necessarily do everything in-house. If there's a good resource out there, we're going to point to it. So when you're learning CSS, I mean, pointing to CSS tricks. I mean, all those things that when you're in the industry, you are aware of and you know that's out there. So we're Expanding the world so that people know that, because you don't want to always come back to the Odin and be like, "How did I learn that? You want to have the skills to be like, "Oh, I just need to Google that, and I'll find the answer.
1: Yeah, and that kind of feeds back into what you were saying about what someone's going to do in the real world. So much of what we do is knowing what to Google and what resources are there. Like I use MDN all the time, and I think that there's all these resources that we have that we don't necessarily even, like at this point, it's so ingrained in my habits. Well, if you were just starting out and you don't know that this exists and it's not part of your habits, it can kind of be difficult to find that stuff. And it can be overwhelming. I know when I first
2: started Odin, like going to the documentation, there was just like all this information there that like, I don't know where to look or I don't know. Like it's just feeding me everything. It's like a fire hose, right? Mm-hmm. And so like by training that over the time I got used to that and I was able to digest that fire hose of information into what I needed. And I think that's a learned skill. And we forget that the more experience you get, you forget what it's like to be new.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh well, because you're sort of separated from it. Like it's also a little bit of an, an interesting thing because what I learned is like totally different now for people who are starting out now, it's different web technologies. It's different. Like the framework, even Rails from the time I started until now is a totally different framework. So yeah, it's interesting. Are there any challenges that you've noticed in trying to make sure that you're keeping things up to date in that regard? I mean, one thing that's neat about honestly, like the Ruby and Rails when I research
2: JavaScript, you always have to look at the date of that Stack Overflow post. You're like, okay, was that longer than two or three years ago? Because I'm not sure I'm going to believe it. But for Ruby on Rails, like those things are pretty consistent for the most part. I mean, some of the times you have to check because there's sometimes methods change and then obviously there's been a lot of changes in Rails. The core stuff hasn't changed that much. But we certainly do have, like I just mentioned, we redid the React stuff because that changed and we needed to kind of update what we were teaching. The hard part is like does take a lot of effort, you know, and a lot of coordinated effort. Because sometimes when you're just like, Oh, I need to add a lesson, we want to teach this new thing. That's a lot easier because you're just plug and play in. But when you have to take current content, and depending on the size of the revamp, you know, it had to like kind of just replace that. And can you I mean, ideally, it'd be nice to be able to like, do it slowly. I um, mean, start getting feedback, but we haven't kind of worked that out yet. So usually, it's just like a big drop, And then we get all that feedback we want. So it's kind of hard to go with that MVP. Like, let's just get that out there and build on it. So that's one thing the team would like to do, but
1: we haven't been able to quite figure that one out. That's a little tricky, right? Because to like do that in an agile way, unless it's like in in kind of a live scenario, because then you'd have to publish like the first lesson and then get feedback on it and publish the second lesson. That's like a very interesting challenge that, you all have to solve and I'm kind of curious to revisit this conversation in the future and see where you landed on that this episode of the ruby on rails podcast is brought to you by scout apm scout apm is a leading ruby on rails application performance monitoring tool that helps you identify and solve performance abnormalities faster as a tool built for developers by developers scout makes it easy to get your apm set up and delivering insights in less than four minutes Learn more at scoutapm.com. So you mentioned the Discord, and there's a lot of conversations happening in the Discord. The the Discord is like this community of people that you're a part of. And the Odin Project seems like it's kind of more of a community-based project. And I'm just kind of curious, like, how you think about fostering the community in Discord versus the development of the curriculum, that kind of stuff.
2: Well I mean that's definitely certain balance I've had to do because I can't spend my time just helping people in discord indefinitely because I enjoy helping people but mm-hmm. at the same time then I can't focus on the curriculum content so I've also kind of taken a step back from being a you know huge part of the discord community because it's kind of like people are constantly helping each other so the people that are a step or two ahead of you help the people that are just a step behind and the people that have are a little more experienced. Like I said, we have professionals that didn't do the Odin project that join our purchase state and our Discord. You know, we kind of help oversee. So if it's like, oh, you didn't quite provide the right answer or there's something missing, somebody might step in and just kind of be like, hey, I just want to make sure you understand this part because we don't want to provide false or bad information. It does happen. I mean, I know I gave bad advice sometimes when I was learning because I thought I knew it all. But the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know everything. I mean, you can do our curriculum without the Discord community. I just feel like it was my special secret ingredient because not only as I was like helping people, like I learned to read other people's code. I learned how to debug their code. And that's a skill I use every day at work. I mean, that's mm-hmm. all day I'm debugging somebody else's code. <laughs> like, And so that's why part of the reason I, I consider that my secret sauce. But as far as the balance, I think it depends on each person that's kind of a part of our team. Some people, they like the active involvement in the community. We sometimes bring in speakers and try to do a live session that because a lot of people, they've not been part of a community like this before. And so they mm-hmm. have all these questions that they're like, I don't know if I can ask this or always the age old question about job hunting, right? It's There's always people who are like, okay, I'm working, trying to like get a new job, but like, how realistic is this? Because one thing the Odin Project doesn't do is we don't have certificates and we don't like do job placement because we kind of feel like by the end of our curriculum, the portfolio of projects that you've made should speak for itself. Mm -hmm. And so we'll teach about how to do it, like a project-based resume to kind of show off what you've done. You know, so that's kind of always the people have questions, especially at that part, because that's definitely, there's so much out of your control. (laughs) So trying to teach what you can do, what you can control. I think
1: that kind of, marries a little bit nicely with the Ruby on Rails community. I was at RubyConf last week and I just kept saying over and over again how much the community was like the big part of being a Ruby developer. The Odin project has sort of found a similar thing where like you could do the curriculum and you can go through the curriculum, but a big part of the value that you're getting is all of these connections with all of these people. And I think that's also pretty special. I think when I look back at the periods of time when I had the most growth or the most learning or it was always the time when I was like surrounded with a group of people who I was super comfortable with and who were all trying to get somewhere together and we were able to learn from each other. And it sounds like that's sort of what you're fostering in the Odin Project.
2: It certainly is. Yeah, that is definitely what we try to I mean, not like we try to build a community, but because it's kind of happened organically and naturally. Unfortunately, we've grown. I think we have like 80,000 people in our Discord. So we also have, like I said, a team of moderators that help because people assume Discord, they're like, oh, it's low chill, have like this gaming thing. And so we'll have 13-year-olds join and they're like trying to like do some not-safe-for-work memes and things like that. Or, oh, you can't do that. (laughs) Like. (laughs) you know, and so that kind of makes it more of a chore, I feel like, for our moderator team. But we try to keep it safe for everybody because people all around the world use the Odin Project. It's not just something that, I mean, I think it's popular. I think a lot of people in the U.S., but I mean, we certainly have people all over the world. So we have to be very conscious of that.
1: Yeah, I bet Discord is definitely, it's one of those things where moderation can be a little tricky because anyone can just join any server. And I, I think there are controls, but the controls are not like, they're not the same as like in Slack where it's like people are invited and, So, yeah, I bet that's probably pretty tricky on the mods. And we are all thankful for Discord moderators. Yes. Yes, we are. So, sort of the final question that I usually ask is, like, how can people find you? How can people find the Odin project? You can find me, I guess, I don't know, GitHub. arlmoser 99 is who I
2: am. But really to check out The Odin Project, which is probably where I'd point you in the Discord community. It's theodinproject.com. And we have at the top and everywhere throughout our curriculum a link to join our Discord. And like I said, we have all kinds of people in there from 13-year-olds to professionals in the industry. So it's really a kind of a, a fun thing. I just invite you to jump in, get your feet wet, and check
1: us out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed this conversation today.
2: Yes, me too. I actually was a lot more excited to talk about this than I was as I was bullet pointing it out. So thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, of course. Anytime. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. This has been the Ruby on Rails podcast. It was a pleasure getting to talk with Rachel Moser about the Odin Project. If you're interested in learning more about the Odin Project, check out their website, theodinproject.com. That's all one word. And join their Discord server. Thanks to Paul, our wonderful editor over at Peachtree Sound for making us sound like professionals. And thank you for listening. You're a gem.
0: You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.